Welcome to You Must Chill, the weekly podcast on all things scream-free. My name is John Allen Turner, and over there playing with his iPhone is Hal Edward are we Runkle. Re- are we recording we're, now? Yeah, we've started. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hal, how are you? I'm I'm distracted, obviously. Clearly. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. Well-rested. Well-rested? Well, I just you, came back from Germany. You were eight days in Germany, and you yes. came back from that well-rested. How did no, you manage that? No, I have well-rested in the last few days. Oh, okay. So yeah. since you've been back now, you have uh, rested up from that. How was the trip? Was it good? It was a great trip. Great trip met, uh, with some fantastic Army families that stationed over there and some amazing uh, family professionals working on the posts over there. That is there. a beautiful country. It is, absolutely. You know, not all parts are created equal. No. Just like me. But, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> there are some beautiful areas of Germany, and, and I just love the culture there. I love Europe. I just love, love, love Europe. It's getting there. That's the problem. It's, it's a journey. Yeah. It is yeah. a journey. And going, but going there is always worse. Go, and for me, going east. Going east is always, always more difficult worse. for your body to adjust to the time differences and all that. Yes. Going west, I, for easier. whatever reason, yeah. Well, because the flight back, I mean, the flight over there, you go you feel over... You like you're and, gaining time. And you, and you get there at 8 in the morning. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So you've just had a Ugh. cranky, uncomfortable seat for 10 hours, and then, hey, it's start of the day. Ugh. And it's, yeah, it's tough. And, but if you take a nap, that's like the it, worst thing it, in the world you can, can do. It can yeah. be rough. It can be rough, yeah. Because your, your body needs to adjust and the jet lag and all that kind of stuff. It's hard. But coming back, you leave at 10 in the morning, you get back at 3 in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you just got to stay awake. So that's fine. Okay. So it takes now, a couple of days, but I'm good now. And when did you get back? Got back Saturday. Saturday. So did you uh, did you get to witness any of the college football from no. this weekend? No. Yeah. No, the, I watched a little. Um, but I told you, man, I, I just, I'm not... Um, you're not big into the college football? Not anymore. I'm, I'm less than I ever have been. Yeah, the football is, uh, is going to have to adapt. It's going to have to change, or it's going to go away. I know so many parents, man, that just... Because like, of all like the us. head injuries, yeah, like that's us. the thing. Because of all the the chronic uh, concussion syndrome and and all it's, of that, and yeah. the big, you know, the NFL just had this huge settlement. settlement yes, seven hundred and fifty million dollars or something like to that. To former ball players, yeah. You know, it's always fascinating these settlements that come out and and whenever somebody sues because of some injury and not you know sports or unsports, yeah, whatever. But there's a settlement that requires no admission of fault. Okay, and right. that's that's kind of what they did because the uh, the the players were actually seeking like two billion dollars, and the NFL settled out of court for seven hundred fifty million, and that means they didn't have to admit any liability. Right. So, which is always interesting. Then why are you paying seven hundred fifty million dollars to make this bad press go away? Right. But it's interesting. You're you're admitting. Yeah, you something. are something. I mean, it's it's like I'm going to. Uh, my, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying. I cannot. <laughs> you can't come up with I'm a corollary. Come up with a corollary. I'm trying, I'm trying to, to with my yeah. kids. You know where I. Yeah, I, where you're confessing something, but not really, really confessing. Yeah. I, okay, I yes, I admit there is money missing from your piggy bank, and I <laughs> will restore money into that piggy bank. But, but I will it, not confess that I took the money. Absolutely not. No. 
No, you. What is missing from your piggy bank is twenty dollars. I will put fifteen dollars back in. <laughs> <laughs> but I will not I tell will you not. that I'm the one who took the twenty dollars out to begin. But with. I will put the fifteen back in. Oh, well, not good. back in. Yeah. I will put the fifteen in. Yes, not right. back. Yeah, not you, back do, you don't in, want to say that. that. Would be admitting guilt. Now, the reason I bring up the college football is because um, this uh, this character named Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Have you heard? There's a big brouhaha about this kid. Well. All right, here's my take. Well, let's back up. Let's back up let's and back explain up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some of these people out here, they may not know who Johnny Manziel well, some is. some of them may be saying, why are you talking about sports? Well, we're going to get to that. Okay. Trust me, because we're, we're not really talking about sports. Johnny Manziel, last year, was the One starting quarterback for Texas A&M an as ugly, a freshman. Ugly maroon-colored school. Right, I know. Your disdain yes. for all things Texas A&M. So he uh, was a starting quarterback as a freshman, and he won the Heisman Trophy, which is given every year to the best football player in college football. And the first freshman to ever be awarded that. A huge honor. It's incredible. And then he had a very troublesome offseason. During the summer, several things came out that revealed he may not be the most savory, all-American kid out there. Oh, he's there. far, far from it. He got, I mean, it was over and over. One more so thing after another. Underage partying. drinking. Yes. And he got into a fight, uh, like, right. you know, and in then, a bar. And, and he signed a bunch of autographs for stuff. And did he get paid? Did he not get paid? It's all, here's the thing. He's the first freshman to ever be awarded this. There's a reason why freshmen don't Shouldn't get awards like that. Because he's just too young to handle it, man. So he's very, very young. He just turned 20. Yeah. And, um... And the, there was a big investigation over the summer over whether or not he got paid right. for signing his autograph, which would uh, nullify his amateur status, right? Right. And we can talk about that, but I mean, yes. that's that's a whole different conversation. But he got to play. He, he, he was suspended for the first half of the first game because he didn't really do anything wrong, and that was another one of those another kind one of... Another one we're going to we're, punish you... But, but we're, we're not, not going to admit anything, and... Uh, it's bizarre. Whatever. So he comes back, and, and he his team has the ball five possessions. They score four touchdowns in those five possessions, but he gets into all kinds of trouble because he gets into a little pushing match with the guy. He makes well, a Well, you can only imagine what all the other players on the opposing team are saying about him. He gets an unsportsmanlike conduct well, penalty. Well, he, he scored a touchdown and right in the guy's face, he mimicked signing an autograph. Signing an autograph right in the guy's face. And there was another one where he threw a touchdown and the guys were taunting him and he put his fingers together like and money. rubbed them together like money right in their face. And pointed to the scoreboard. Yeah. He gets the penalty and then he comes off and his coach is trying to talk to him mm-hmm. and he just walks away from his coach as if his coach it doesn't matter doesn't really matter it's interesting my son has a teammate on his basketball team mm-hmm. who is one of the top couple of players and he has an uncle that is an nba professional and so this guy's got a pedigree yes and the problem is he thinks he's so much better than he is. Mm. And they, they're they're moving into eighth grade, and they've got a new coach. And the coach for the eighth grade, I have so much respect for this guy, but he runs a very, very tight ship. Okay. Very tight ship. So he's a no-nonsense sort of coach. But they love him to death. They'll just run through a wall for him. But yeah. he's just, it's very, very, it's not, it's not like strict. It's just very organized. Yeah. Right? And he expects you to behave like a and if you don't, he's man. not going to yell at you, but he is going to sit you down. Yeah, and and I and I so I love that. But at one point, they were playing in a tournament this summer, 
and this kid, this really, really, you know, uh, good player kid, pull tries to pull all the guys together on the bus. Says, guys, coach, coach doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how we play. We oh, it's a play. mutiny. Yes, we need to play our way. You know, really meaning my way. Exactly. He need, he doesn't know us. He so, doesn't know what's best for us. You know? So how did so you this know, came Brandon, out? Brandon was saying everybody. Everybody. He said, "Here's what happened." Brandon said. Every, my son said, uh, everybody was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then looked at each other like, oh, my what God. What is this guy doing? <laughs> and they all were like. This is a mutiny. Yeah. But they said it's only a mutiny of one. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's because, good. Because they were all like, yeah. okay, he's about, yeah, to, whatever. He's, he's about to get sat down. <laughs> you know? But what, so what's interesting is while the media loves to, you know, christen this kid, Johnny Manziel, right? Yeah. Johnny football, whatever. His teammates this summer had to each year they select kind of a like a leadership committee among the players. Yeah, who's going to be the captain and who's going to yeah. players to kind of a, you know. And uh he wasn't selected as one. Wow. Of them. The most athletically gifted but not the most rewarded. The yeah. most every the media darling people are saying one of the best players and but you're not leading. You're us. not leading this team. And the quarterback is usually always on on that. I thought, so, thought that was a pretty in- interesting statement. So this is what I thought was interesting. This Johnny Manziel acting out comes right on the heels of what everybody was talking about last week after the Video Music Awards on MTV. Oh, Miley. Where you've got Miley Cyrus, who is also just turned 20. True. And she comes out of this giant mechanical teddy bear. So that wasn't alcohol infused that, that performance? <laughs> she wasn't uh, I, legal Well, to I don't know. Wow. I, to be honest, I don't know. The pictures that I saw and the video that I saw, she didn't look intoxicated from alcohol. No, she look, may there may have been knows. some other substances. You know going what's interesting? On. I was in Germany when that happened, and, and it was still all over. Yeah, 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 all over. Well, the because it's in, she's an international star. Yeah. This isn't just an American football player. This is an international star in the MTV Video Music Awards, and she comes out and she does. Is she a star? Uh, if you, I think if you, you know, there are lights in the sky, and some, if you open, emanate light themselves. If you open the VMAs, yeah, I think that counts. Oh my god! You know, I mean, think about that. This isn't like some local regional talent show thing. I, I, I mean, I she's know. opening. I, uh, I know Hannah Montana. And yeah, my kids were into it and huge. And wow. uh, and so she comes out and she does all this twerking and she does. Uh, and I saw this one funny, funny tweet that somebody put out that, that said, "Hey, I just found out that twerking is not tweeting while working. <laughs> <laughs> twerking is a dance, and uh, and she performed that it is badly, mimicking a certain sexual maneuver with your hips. I guess, yeah." So probably it, not a maneuver that, uh, yeah, that we, we want to discuss in depth and or but, even think about because it looks painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she comes out and she does this and she does this uh, song with Robin Thicke Who and looked a lot like Beetlejuice by in the, way. the that, striped the, suit. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Say. And uh, and so Make so you've my, got these two twenty-year-olds. All right, Make my millennium. <laughs> These two 20-year-olds who are both acting out. And and then I also thought, you know, you've got this, uh, uh, over the weekend, Justin Bieber gets into a fight in a club in Toronto or someplace like that, gets mm-hmm. into a skirmish. And he's he's had a rough summer as well, mm-hmm. peeing in a mop bucket in a public place. And, I mean, just all kinds of stuff has come out about him. 
and they're all about the same age. Mm-hmm. They're all like it seems like the twenty-year-old population of celebrities are just crying for help. Oh, Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes is another good example. Yeah, right. Lindsay Lohan. So what's going on? This is there. There is a total crisis of any kind, like an absence of any kind of boundaries or understanding of what good, uh, you know, decorum mm-hmm. looks like, of proper behavior. There was a time when twenty-year-olds um, would not have walked away from their coach, would not have. Uh, I don't demonstra- know about it, that. It, I think they're. Uh, I'm not going to get. I'm I don't want to be be one of those like oh the young, always, young people today are yes. terrible and they we used to be great last, yeah, yeah but you, you turned that, into grandpa last time I you, turned into grandpa yes, yeah you, I was alone in were, that you right. were grandpa I was not but it does seem like the news media is infatuated with these stories and they are dominating the headlines the childhood stars have been going crazy for a while and there are some basic underlying uh, systemic if you will uh, problems that, unfortunately, they're the ones that exhibit the symptoms of. Okay. And think about this. How many people older than them then become dependent on their fame? Oh, sure. For their own All of their managers sustenance. and all their publicists and all of, their, right. uh, all of the people who are kind of behind the scenes. Well, even to some extent, this coach at Texas A&M... Of course, he got a huge... I mean, think about it. Johnny Manziel doesn't, isn't allowed to get paid one dime for winning all this stuff, but I saw that the value of his Heisman uh, trophy is like $137 million to the university. To the university. And they, his coach gets a $1 million a year raise. Yeah, because of the success that's that he come helped about. create. Yeah. Right? So he's, he's caught in that trap. What does that coach do? He, he should sort of assert himself. We should sit him down. And let everybody know, I'm the coach of this team, and nobody is too big for, you know, for that. Uh, But if he does that, that, then does the team perform more, you know, less? Right. And then that that damages his credibility as a coach. Well, think about you're a parent, and your kid is Justin Bieber. Yeah, and now but, you know, his mom wrote that book and right. has been, you know, kind of enjoyed a, a measure of celebrity herself. And I have a friend who her daughter got a singing contract when she was a young girl. Okay. And has since become the lead singer of a pretty successful rock band. Okay. And their journey was... Is she the lead singer of Journey? She is. She is. She is a small Filipino man. That's her daughter. Small Filipino man who they discovered on YouTube. Their she their journey led them to some really really difficult places, mother daughter relationship wise, mm-hmm. and it's because of the dynamic that. Well, now I'm living in a huge house paid for by my son's fame. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Where I now have a job. I've left my own job. I'm not supporting myself. I am now managing my son's career, my daughter's career, and that's my job. And there, and yet, because of the talent they have, the success they have, I reap the wonderful financial and fame And I am benefits. successful to the extent that they are successful. And then I want to tell them, hey, dude. Stop doing that. Right. Behave better. 
You know, That's, it, it creates an awkward dynamic. Your allowance is cut off. I mean, what are you going to do? I'm going to take your cell phone away? Really? I, mean, I, I think that's one of the things that made the Miley Cyrus thing as awkward as it was. It's different. Our friend Dane mm-hmm. and I were talking about this. And Dane said, well, why is it different that, than anything Madonna has done or Lady Gaga? Right. Madonna and Lady Gaga showed up as grown women. More they, or less, yeah. In our consciousness... They were young. I sure. met them when they were women. Right. And sex symbols. And Miley, I feel like I've known Miley since she was like 11. Right. And not only that, but I know her dad. hmm And so it's. I feel like when I'm watching that on the screen, I'm also out of the corner of my eye seeing her dad. Well, here's the deal. She is going to feed right into that. And oh yeah, she's, you know, because you know what she's going to say is, "Well, what do you expect me to do? How am I ever going to get to that place where Madonna is if you don't let me? Why do you want to get to that place where Madonna is? Because Madonna's the most successful female artist of all time. I'm arguing Miley's case. Okay, yeah, right, yeah. the most successful, and she has changed for the better. She would say, "Okay, she has changed for yeah. the better the perception of women's ability to make their own rules and make their own way." She was one of the heroes of the feminist movement, right? Who was someone, an artist who has refused to compromise, who's changed herself over the years, right? Who's still, she was by uh, all right. So, so most, I hear that, I yeah. hear that. And but so Camille Paglia, when she her take on this was, uh, "Okay, then do it better," because her performance was. Well, not very. Just from artistically, technically speaking, that's another thing. Madonna, her, her vocals were terrible. Sure. Her dance moves were awful and unpolished, and she needs to do better. Then, if that's what she's going to do, but right, right now she ends up looking like when you go to those, like a, a dance recital for mm-hmm. your daughter, you mm-hmm. know, and you see the eleven-year-olds and they're doing a dance move, and you think. Uh, that's not really that appropriate for an right. 11-year-old to do that dance move, and they don't really have the body to right. pull that off. Right. You know, that's what it, it. That's part of what made it like so cringe-worthy was that she... But I saw I, what she I was really trying to do, and it was I don't, terrible. But I don't think you can go there. You can't keep saying to her that you're too young to be doing this. She's because, not. I don't, I, I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... If that's what you're going to do, do it better. Well, yeah, but you said... But then but I, got, I say, why would you do that? You said the word inappropriate because 11-year-old, right? She's yeah. Gonna, it's, it's, don't call it inappropriate because that's not going to speak to her. What's oh, going no, no, to speak I'm, to her? Yeah, I'm saying... Let me finish. Okay, here you go. Let finish. me finish. Don't call it inappropriate because then she'll say, well, when is it ever going to be appropriate? I should be able to do what a woman does. You guys lust after 20-year-old Kate Upton all the time. She's only 20, yeah. and you, the world lusts after her and calls her the greatest sex symbol, and she can. we want to see her boobs, we want to see her, right? But you don't want to see mine? That's what she's going to say. Now, what you can say is, like you were saying, or do it better. Don't say do it more appropriately. Right, if you're going to do it, do it better. But also, again, with Kate Upton, and, and again, I, I, we do uh, like to look at those women. I'm not saying we should. Mm-hmm. I'm saying we do. Of course. But part of the reason why we allow ourselves to is because we didn't know her when she was a little girl, and we don't know her dad. I hear that. And like, as as the father of three little girls, and you as the father of one, right? You know that that creates a whole different dynamic when you start thinking. I remember what she looked like when she was eight. Well, but and that's... I remember like I know her dad. But again. 
that's not her fault. No, it's not. But we can't keep doing that. We can't keep <laughs> saying that because, you know what? Kate Upton has a dad. I know she does. Kate and, Upton was 11. And when I'm looking at Kate Upton, if I remind myself she has a dad, mm-hmm. it kind of knocks the edge off that. Well, that's good. It is. But that's she, healthy. But she's not getting skewered by <laughs> having a lollipop in her mouth with a see-through tank top on the cover of GQ. Right. At 19 when she took that photo. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the double standard, I think. So oh, I agree. Always calling it to a better artistic level is going to be... Because the one thing about Madonna is that you can argue appropriateness, but you can also... But you can clearly state there is a quality level. Yes. That it's artistic, mm-hmm. right? At least... Even when, even when Britney comes out at 20... Right. And she's trying to do the same thing. Make a break with her Disney image. True. And sta- state definitively, I'm a woman. I mean, think about the big hit repeated over and over again in the chorus, I'm not that innocent. Right. Like, she is clearly making a statement. But when she shows up and opens the VMAs Mm -hmm. with that big snake and everything, first of all, she looks like a full-grown woman. Right. And second of all, her dance moves were precise and artistic and... Even Lady Gaga hanging uh, meat all over herself is artistic. Like, it's it's performance art. Yes, but what Miley was was just trashy. Yeah. That's the problem. That's the only critique we should offer. Nothing about her youth, nothing about how we knew her beforehand. The critique we should offer is, it wasn't good. (laughs) It just wasn't good. And I I have a problem with Robin Thicke. I have a real problem with Robin Thicke. 36 years old, married, has a kid. Dude, you ought to know better. It's just, have some higher standards, not morality. Don't talk morality. Have some higher standards for your art. Yeah. For crying out loud. Well, he's being sued by the Marvin Gaye family. No, he sued the Marvin Gaye. Oh, he sued them preemptively because he knew they were coming after him for copyright infringement. But back to our point, it seems like there is more, and maybe it's because it's overreported, but it seems like there is such a, a spike it's overreported in, in irresponsible behavior but it's by also, these budding adults. But it's also what we like. We've talked about this before. We parentify. We, uh, I mean, not parentify. Sorry. What's the word? We pedestalize, pedestalize, right? These youth, so that we can then knock them down and feel better about ourselves. So we want them. We marvel at them. How many freaking videos are we going to put up of our own kids? Because we want them to be a star on Facebook. Well, I don't. Well, I'm not talking about <laughs> you. We all do it to some extent. But I, mean, I we, love but, my kids. Don't get me wrong. But, we, but I, that's yeah. what I mean, I'm posting picture after picture of yeah. my kids all over Facebook because I want there to be some celebration of them in their youth. And then we love to report and gossip on the kids when they screw up. It's a sickness in our society. And I'm not going to say it's the 20-year-old's fault. I'm going to say it's what we've done to them. And they're participating right along yeah, with Yeah, see, it. I'm going to say both. Of course. I'm not going to say either or. I'm going to say, no. yeah, if, if we stop watching, they would stop behaving that way. But right. also they're behaving that way so that we'll look at them. If we stop marveling. Yeah. Marveling at look youth. Look at that, yeah. I mean, America's got talent. There are rock bands. Yeah, I, don't, I never watched that show. Uh, but but it's I've, huge, I, I've seen the advertisement. Show, yeah, yeah, right. 
rock bands on there, and the only reason they're making it through to the round is because they're all 12. Ugh. Because they're not good. Yeah. <laughs> they're good for being 12, is the yeah. point. Yeah. You're good for a 12-year-old. And now the uh, uh, Food Network this week is doing a uh, kid's chef cook-off thing. Of course they are. And again, and the, like, one of the taglines is one of the judges eats it and says, I can't believe a 10-year-old made that. Mm-hmm. So it's the same same deal, you yeah. know. It's it may not be good, but it's good for a ten year old. It's good with an asterisk, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what we love. We love to marvel at our kids doing something for their age. Now and we all struggle with it. We all do it because we don't know what it means to be one's age. That's oh, the, that's a good point right there. I think that's yeah. the central crisis of our time. That's why we keep saying, "Well, forty's the new 30. Right. Like we talked about, you know, yeah, twenties, yeah. It's, we, we don't, don't know, know how to be 43. I don't know what it looks like to be 41. I don't know. My kids don't know what it looks like to be 16, but we're the ones supposed to help them because they're going to struggle with that at times. They're going to be acting way too young, right? At times, they're going to be trying to act way too old. And that's the thing about adolescence, particularly early adolescence, is they. there are times when my 12-year-old mm-hmm. acts like she is... 16, 17. I don't mean that negatively. No, no, I mean, no. she is maturity, very responsible, responsible and yeah. mature and makes wise decisions. And then there are times when she's eight. Or two. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. And that's, that's their job is to work that out. And supposedly as you get older, the highs and lows of the ages that you try to be or end up being should come should more even and more. out. Should even bit. out. It's, you know, when we're growing up in adolescence, like you said, early adolescence, it's kind of like a, the seesaw goes back and forth a lot. Yeah, and that swing is really pronounced. And maturity, I would say, is moving more and more in towards the center, where there are times... Where your highs and lows aren't that right. much different. Right, to where... And that's that can be emotionally, but also highs and lows in terms of the, where you're acting in, in your maturity level. Yeah. And so hopefully, by the time you're 41... Obviously not with me, but by the time you're 41... <laughs> it's a by the time more, you're 41, yes. not you, yeah, but not the, the generic you. That you balance that out a little more. and But we can't expect them to do it if we're still struggling with it. And we don't know what it looks like because there are, again, when I marvel at my 12-year-old's golf swing and put it on, you know. Yeah, look at this. And think about how weird this is, that, that our kids are growing up where every moment, every critical moment of their lives is, is documented in a very public way. So when I post pictures of my kids on Facebook or whatever, mm-hmm. Instagram, th- people they don't even know comment on how cute they are. Yeah. What does that do to a, a nine-year-old psyche that people you've never met are, are commenting on how adorable you are? And then you hit seventh grade. And you're not that adorable, you're not adorable anymore. anymore. You go through that awkward, gawky stage like everybody does. I mean... Think about how many pictures of themselves our kids have seen. And then compare that to... A hundred years ago, when you maybe saw one. One, yeah. And, and you had to sit perfectly still. Right. And you had one mirror in your house. And now, everywhere, mirrors and everywhere pictures. And yet we are marveling at how people are... Narcissistic. And entitled and... You know, I cannot decorate my whole house and every screen that I have <laughs> with, with rotating pictures of my kids and then expect them to have a level head. But it's weird. If you go out and you don't have, if your screensaver isn't your kids, 
Then people think, yeah, I know. Do you love your kids? I know. You have any pictures of them? Well, I have a couple, yeah. But what? They're not mm. on your keychain and not your screensaver and not the background wallpaper on your smartphone. If they're not, then something must be wrong with you. Oh. If you're Facebook, this is what kills me. Yeah, this yeah. really bugs me. When somebody's Facebook profile picture is their kid. Right. Really? Well, it's like the Christmas card, kids only. Oh, my goodness. Because It's worse. Because yeah. your Facebook profile picture supposed to be you. has your name by it. Right. And if I look at your name and it's a picture of your kid, who are you? Well, are you your kid? One of the seven deadly sins of the 21st century. Ooh. is a book I'm hoping to write someday. But one of them is called Vicarity. <laughs> how we... Which sounds like a drug that guys our age take. <laughs> uh, I think it's, yeah, we need to invent the drug. But vicarity <laughs> is everything we've been talking about because we live through these young stars because our youth has passed us. And so we live vicariously through them, whether it's a sports star or a movie star or a music star. Yeah. But we also obviously do this with our kids. Vicarity is explained just by the simple act of a 41 year old man wearing another man's uniform. Yeah. With wearing another man's jersey. jersey. Yeah, wearing a jersey or something With somebody like that. with the other man's name on his back. Yeah, that's kind of like, weird. It, well, you're just walking around saying, I hate my life. <laughs> I wish I had this other person's that's life. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And I live vicariously through his successes and failures because my life is So you never wore a, a Vince Young jersey? No. A Colt McCoy jersey? I didn't. Big I, I, horns guy. I had a... Kevin Ur- Durant jersey? I had an Earl Campbell jersey uh-huh. when I was 10. Oh, when you were 10. <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> was right? it a tearaway? Yeah. Absolutely. No, I don't even know if it was, but it was uh, It was number 34 for the Houston Oilers. It was great. But no, I don't wear jerseys. I've never had a jersey. I think it's ridiculous to wear a jersey. It's just kind of dorky because yeah. I should have my own jersey, my own uniform that I wear to my office. Which is which this is black golf black, shirt right, I'm and wearing a pair right of khaki now, pants. Which we all have uniforms. So... <laughs> You don't make me think. You don't think you're wearing a uniform, but you're wearing. You're, a uniform. Everybody's wearing. Yeah, a everybody's uniform. wearing yeah, a yeah. uniform, and they have. I call it their costume. Yeah, everybody is, has. Everybody their costume. has their costume. Yeah, get into character. I put on my costume. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So now, um, well, wait, wait. I want to connect this to what we were saying earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We live vicariously through them, and so it, we end up, you know, the pedestalizing them, but we also freeze them in history. Oh, so, we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, yeah that we kind of freeze them but in But if they're amber. seeing all these pictures of themselves at at a, a lesser age, then it would make sense that they would try to break free from that, even in their own tiny, tiny way, the way, same way that Miley's trying to break free from that. Trying to put her foot down and say, I'm not that teenager. I'm not Hannah Montana anymore. She's doing what adolescents are supposed to do. But she's, she's doing, doing it, it with cameras on, on her. such a grand yeah. scale, and she's got so much more of a calcified mold to break from in our minds that we testified to our earlier conversation. That's the one thing that I'm just so grateful for, that there was no social media when I went through that phase. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, because I, I made some terrible decisions yeah. and tried on a lot of different costumes Absolutely. before I landed on the one that I'm in today. Absolutely. And I'm just so glad that that stuff isn't documented I mean, maybe in a photo album in my For mom's basement, but time. yes, it's yes. not out there in the ether floating around the interwebs. Which makes it difficult for us to fully empathize and understand where our children That's are. That's the thing. You, we said, you said it, that nobody knows how, old, how to be the yes. age they are. I'd, I have very little clue what it means to be 13 years old today. Today. 
And my daughter is going through that. And I'm trying to help her navigate what it means to be a 13-year-old in this society. And I don't really right. ha- have my arms all the way around that. Right. Which is why you got to cling to not some particulars, but to some more general principles. Yeah. Life principles. And But I will tell you, one of the best things to do with your children, one of the best movements you can make towards your children, that, that they will receive well, is... To basically tell them exactly that, and and tell them when they're struggling, say, "Is this one of those times when it's just really div- difficult to be 13? I mean, thirteen-year-olds uh, have forever, I'm sure, said to their parents, "You just don't understand." Parents just don't understand. But I think Here's that is more pronounced now hmm. than it was before, because you're right. I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand because what it's like. With... Change happens qu- more quickly than it used to. Yeah, right? it, on an infinitely greater pace than it has in, in when we were growing up. And so that simple act of empathy is this one of those difficult? And, and I, you know, do it when they're two. Is this one of those times when it's tough to be a two-year-old? Oh yeah, yeah. You'll be I've amazed. Done that with my kids a You'll lot. Be amazed, you know, and say, yeah. Well, tell me what. Tell me what it's like. It's hard to be nine right now mm-hmm. for my youngest one mm-hmm. because. You know, her, her older sister's 13, and, yeah. and Eliza just turned 12, and Amelia feels that gap. Yeah. She's in fifth grade. Her sisters are in middle school. Right. And she, Big difference. It's a big difference. Yeah. And she's at the top of the food chain right now, but she can almost at school, taste yes. what it's going to be like to be in middle school, and she can't wait for it. And sometimes I just have to say, it's hard to be nine right now, isn't it? Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more about that. And if they say no, say okay. But what they have received from you is, I'm not going to tell you that I know how you feel. Yeah. Which is an awful, awful thing to say. Almost in every, I cannot think of a circumstance where that's a good thing to say, I know how you feel. You can say, well, my guess is you're feeling this. But you say it with a measure of humility because I know how you feel means I've been through exactly what you're being going through right now. And And even if you have... mm -hmm. It's not helpful. Well, actually, this is something we learn in therapy is if you've gone through certain things that your clients have gone through, that may not qualify you to be helpful to them. It may disqualify you. And see, this is the difference. A lot of times we think as long as we're telling our kids the truth, Mm. then that my job is done. Mm. But in this, I I say this as a a public speaker. And when we go out and do these things in military bases and and private schools and all these places where we get to speak, I tell people, my goal here is not just to tell you the truth. I hope what I'm saying is true. Yes. And I hope I'm saying it in a fun way. But at the end of the day, if this isn't helpful, then I've failed. Right. And as parents, we may be able to have fun with our kids and we may be able to tell our kids the truth, but just because we're telling them the truth might not mean we're being helpful. True. And what we want to convey, though, is the, and this is the only way you can actually ever be helpful, is if I am humble enough to recognize that my experience is not yours. Mm. And I'm curious enough to want to know from you what your experience is like. Which is why those three words you said a minute ago are maybe the three most powerful words you can say to your kids. Not, I love you, although that's an incredibly powerful statement, but tell me more. Yeah, in in a way that's nonchalant even. Because the joke I make is it's actually four words. It's, huh, tell (laughs) tell me more about that. Yeah, because you don't want to lock your kids in your tractor beam gaze and say, tell me more. Yes. You know, because that's... 
That's a very weighty thing. And don't do it while you're looking at them eye to eye. Yeah. Shoulder to shoulder Shoulder a lot of to times. shoulder, yeah. driving. Tell me more about that. But make it nonchalant. So if they say no, say okay. It's, it's driving or it's... Shopping it, you know, or, or playing or basketball in the baking yard. Baking cookies or right, something Or playing like Legos that. Yeah. down on the floor. Right. It's side to side. Tell me more. Tell me more. And when they... And people ask me all the time, well, how do you get your kids to open up? You don't. You cannot go to them with a pry bar and well, expect... I, you know, I say uh, poking doesn't work with turtles or with kids. Right. It, it's a, like a doodle bug. Yeah, it, it, it does the opposite. Right. The more you poke, the more that turtle turtles up. Sure. And it's only when that turtle feels like they're in a safe place, and the only way they feel safe is when you stop poking. And the and then when you got to have your eyes open to see the little times when they do offer you a window... A little tiny glimpse. And, and it's just a simple thing sometimes like, uh, oh, I don't understand this teacher's directions. Now, they may not be talking to you. They may be saying that. Saying but that out a loud reason, to but, the ether. But there's yeah. a reason why they're saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. They're gauging what our response is going to be. And so don't think of that as, oh, my gosh. This, this is, is an invitation. I'm going to jump in chance. and I'm going to show them exactly what I can do. Yes. And so give me that teacher's name. I'm going to call, call them. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, send yeah. them an email. I'm going to go down there to that uh, school tomorrow and I'm going to make sure that yeah. they understand. I co- when I coach other therapists on the best way to truly be helpful, two things. Self-restraint. And curiosity. Mm-hmm. Those things have to govern us. Self-restraint and curiosity. Huh. Wow, that sounds tough. Tell me how that works. That's it. Yeah. Tell me Tell me a little bit more about how this works. Yeah. Tell me. And, and if they say no, okay, then keep right. on yeah. walking. Because you do that again, and, and we've said this phrase before, but approachable parents have teachable kids. Mm-hmm. Say that again so people understand, because some people, somebody's driving right now and they just heard that. Approachable parents have teachable kids. I mean, if they know they can approach us without an immediate reprisal, without an immediate takeover, without... That's a big thing without, for a lot of parents, without the immediate takeover. And I would say without anything immediate at all. Yeah. Pause. Pause yourself. Press your own button. And then, huh, it sounds difficult. Just a simple measure of... I heard you. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I'm open yeah. to hearing more. But but you... I don't need you to tell me more. I don't... Exactly. I'm not going to pry that out of you. I'm going to allow you to volunteer it at your pace. At your pace. And I'm going to respond to it. I'm not going to react to it. Now, obviously, that's the whole scream-free gospel, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is respond, don't react. But it is so amazing how much more they will give you when they know they can without you taking it. Now, when you've jumped in yeah. and when you've, your, your kid has opened up that little glimmer and you did jump in and say, well, give me that parent, give me, give give me, me that, that uh, steering I'm gonna, wheel, yeah, I'm going to take over. I'm going to yes. take over and I'm going to show you exactly how much I love you by driving this right into the side right. of the mountain. What do you do then? Well, it's tempting to then defend yourself. Hey, I'm just saying... I'm just doing that because I care, yeah, and right. I want you to see how much I care and sometimes about you that's and fine. how much I love you. Sometimes I'll say, hey, I'm doing this because I love you. Well, if they're able to say, well, you did too much, say, I apologize. But investigate it for yourself. Think about it. Yeah. Huh. You know, don't, don't immediately apologize if you don't mean it or if you don't think you should. There are times when I'm going to intervene, and I'm going to tell you something that I believe you need to know right now. But the more I go to that weapon the more they close up overall. Mm. 
It's especially as they get older and older, each age, they're going to do it more and more. So uh, we do, but it's great when you catch yourself. And volunteer that apology. It's like, you know what? Yeah. I think I, I may have jumped in too deep um, there. You weren't, you weren't asking me to fix this for you, were you? Yeah, you know what? I should recognize that as you're getting older, you can solve more and more of these problems on your own. And that is something you say to a three-year-old. Yeah. As well as a 13-year-old. Yeah. we In our house, we call it solve your own problem. Yeah. When they come to you, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm bored. Right. The gauntlet. Yeah. Wow. Well, solve your own problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have any clean clothes. Well, solve your own problem. Yeah. Everybody in the house solves their own problems here. Right. Right. And I, I want to convey, and I believe you're capable. Yeah. It's one of the great messages we can give to our kids is, I believe you're capable. And we, what's amazing is how we say those words because we've been taught to say them, and yet we, what we're doing is actually conveying just the opposite. I believe you're capable of doing this while I'm doing it for you. I just, I, we had a situation in our house in the last, oh, 10 days or so. Okay. My nine-year-old um, uh, got some instructions from her math teacher, mm-hmm. and, um, and the, the instructions were unclear. And so she did the assignment incorrectly, okay. uh, showed it to her teacher. Her teacher initialed it, and then when she turned it in later, she got marked off for it. Yeah. And so it created this situation. And So uh, you're like, do I intervene here? Yeah, do yeah, I yeah. not? Yeah. I said, why don't you go talk to Mrs. Bump and show her where she initialed this and ask her what happened there. Mm-hmm. My daughter didn't want to do it, didn't want to do it. Can you do it? Will you do it? And I said, no, you can do this. You can do this. And I forgot, I'm doing a little air quotes there, I forgot a couple of days so that... Of course. We'd give her, and, and finally, she did. Right. She went to her teacher. She showed it to her. She said, I just have this question, and it looked like I was doing it right here because you initialed it, but then you marked it wrong on yeah. the final, and what do I do? And her teacher said, you know what? I totally blew that. Mm. But... I've already put the grades in the computer and I can't change them now. Mm. So I'm sorry. I blew it. I'm going to be more careful next time. And now my daughter went from being afraid of that teacher to that's her favorite teacher. Right. And my daughter learned a healthy sense of entitlement. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about that, that there's an unhealthy sense of entitlement where the world owes me everything. There's a healthy sense of entitlement that says the world does owe me a fair hearing. I deserve to be treated a certain way. I deserve to be treated a certain Uh, way, and I should be able to have a conversation with my teacher or with my coach, you know, going back to Johnny Manziel. He deserves to not be treated like a dog by his coach. He should be able to have a fair hearing there. Sure, But then there's this unhealthy sense of entitlement that says, you know, I, I don't have to listen to anybody. Absolutely. And so we're trying to navigate that with our daughter, and already at nine. She has the ability to go and talk to her teachers. Which is fantastic, because that gives her the ability to talk to other authority figures Mm -hmm. within herself. She gives herself the permission, because she's got the experience that leads to the competence, which leads to the confidence to go do it. That's the only way you can talk to your teachers and your coaches and your those authority figures and really learn from them without being their doormat. And if, un- unfortunately, she's going to have experiences where she's going to do that. And, and sudden, somebody's going to slam her. And they're not going to react yep. well, right? That's going to happen as well. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm constantly monitoring or interested in how they react both ways. 
Yeah. You know? And how does, how, what does that do to my daughter's heart? What does that do to her mind right. when that happens? You know, and, and I've already had to have conversations with all three of my kids to say, you know what? There's some grownups who aren't really grownups. Yeah. They're just old. But that doesn't mean they're grownups. Right. And the way they respond in those kinds of situations kind of tells you what you need to know about them. Sure. Sure. And to let them know this is about them and not about you. Which, of course, you've just opened yourself up to them leveling that criticism toward you. And it's happened before. It has. And it's happened to you, too. Oh, man, it happened to me Sunday night. You know, we had a holiday Monday, and this... So... Uh, Hannah, daughter, had a friend over, and we all ate dinner together. And then, because I'd been gone eight days, I absolutely did not want my wife to have to do one shred of kitchen work. Because she's been doing it for eight days? For eight days on her own. And my son, he'd been playing. We had just played golf together, and he was all nasty and sweaty. And so he said, can I go take a shower, and then I'll come back. And then, for whatever reason, I lost it. I flipped out, said, no, you can do it now. Ugh. And this is in front of the friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And what does your dad do for a living He's, again? I mean, and I am jet lagged, and that's part oh, of it. Yeah. But I am using that as an explanation. Not, <laughs> not You're using ex- it as an excuse. Not as an excuse, <laughs> because I, my, and it was my wife that pointed it out to me. And my son ended up saying something, you know, like, you know what? Way uh, to be scream free, dad. No, it was, it was uh, you should have just stayed in Germany. Oh, now he was being playful about it. Oh, he yeah. was being playful. But, but you I, did you I, take it that way? I did, and then I was like, <laughs> that kind of hurt. And uh, well, maybe you ought to stay in your room the rest yeah, of the night. Exactly. So I did go eventually and went to shower, and then we all came down. We were going to watch a movie together, and I just stopped it before we started the movie and said, "You guys, I blew that. You deserve better from me." Mm. Now, my son, he came up to me and, Dad, I don't know if this hurts you, but I shouldn't have said that comment about Germany. I'm sorry. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Brandon's about 14? Yeah. Yeah. But I I like creating an environment where it is not just okay, but it's wonderfully accepted and respected when people can mea culpa. Yeah, we've created this where it has to be this big production, and and then you have to feel a certain level of bad for a certain amount of time, depending upon how grievous your offense was. Right. You know, but if we can allow people the freedom to say, you know what? I blew that. I blew that. Yep. Okay, take a mulligan. Let's go. Exactly. And, And not bring it up again, not keep tabs on that kind of stuff, and not make them... okay. We'll sit over there for a certain amount of time until you have felt bad enough oh, for long oh, enough. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think if I had a magic wand to wave over sort of my family life and every other family life, just <laughs> one little small change, right? One little small change would be the, to learn to apologize without excuses. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. To apologize without excuses, just to eliminate I'm excuses. sorry, but I'm really tired. Just, I'm sorry, but that really set me off. I'm sorry, but you that, really know that that how that makes me feel, and right. we've talked about this before, but you keep doing it, and so I have to, whatever. Or And it could be about your behavior. It could be about, but I'm jet-lagged, but it's really tired. Mm-hmm. I'm really stressed out right now. No. It's that time for me with you know the what? stuff going on at work, and it's a, yeah, no. You deserve me better than I than I was right there, and I'm it's something I'm coaching my kids to do, like on athletics, right? And, I, and this I've done with the kids that I coach as well is, don't make an excuse. Well, I wasn't really trying. 
Okay. Then why are you even out here? Yeah. Say, you're not really trying. Say, I did my best, and it wasn't very good right now. Mm-hmm. Just say that. I didn't have my A game. Every time. Just yeah. say it. Oh, I blew that. Don't say, well, this was happening, I'm kind of tired. Don't say it, because I don't know who's... I, it may have been Abraham Lincoln that said this quote, and it's one of my favorites. i got to find who really said it. <laughs> but once you get good at making excuses, you are usually good at very little else. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That one hurts. It's just good. <laughs> that quote is just good because now I'm thinking about okay all the excuses that I offer for my oh, behavior. How I'm not writing on this new book enough. Ah, I'm just this okay. And well, this, this and yeah, and yeah. But I've been so busy. I've been traveling so much. I've just, been doing other so things. Easy. It's that time with my kids, and it's mm. yeah. I don't want to get good at making excuses because I want to be good. At, at the things things. that matter. Absolutely. Most. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to leave you with that thought. Lovely. Thanks for listening to You Must Chill. Uh, two guys learning to calm down, grow up, and get closer to the people who matter. We will talk more with you next week. <laughs>